0: Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz. And if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing recognizing opportunity. My guest is Leon Rollerson. He's one of Oklahoma's favorite jazz artists and has been inducted into four different halls of fame. He has been honored with hundreds of music awards in funk, R&B, jazz, blues, and soul. He performs internationally and was born and raised in the hot musical district of Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He regularly plays to sold-out crowds in places such as the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame, Greenwood Cultural Center, and the famous Duet Jazz Club. Leon's company, Rollerson Broadcasting Network, produces television shows, radio programs, and hosts a jazz festival. Leon, welcome to Money Heart.
1: Oh, Ms. Diaz, good to be here.
0: Thank you so much. I was introduced to you by our mutual friend, Peter Biotish. He was featured in episode 14. And I didn't actually know anything about you when we first talked. I literally just called your number because he told me to. Okay. So (laughs) When one Googles you, all of this comes up that i had in the intro about you being a jazz musician. But when we spoke, you told me you were a teacher.
1: Right.
0: So what makes you strongly identify as a teacher and in what way are you a teacher?
1: Well, if you had gone a little bit further on the Google search, you would have seen the teacher, the entrepreneur, the, um, the different businesses, the broadcasting that I do, my network. You would have seen that because there's so much dealing with music that you don't really get to that point for a while unless you keep in the layers.
0: Back. I clicked three pages
1: through. <laughs> oh, no, no, the teaching is around nine pages. But the, the thing is, is that uh, I love to teach. I teach musicians, I teach students, brand new students. Uh, I teach video production, television broadcasting, and teaching has always been a part of me. So uh, it's just a natural flow. It was in my family. Uh, My mother was a teacher, my father was a teacher, my grandmother was a teacher, you know, and my sisters are teachers. So it's just a natural transition.
0: I love that. That's perfect. Um, When we were talking before, you and I chatted a little bit about the importance of having outstanding people in our lives. In what ways does someone find an outstanding person? And why do we even need one?
1: Oh, man, you have good questions today. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can keep up with you. Um, in what way does one find an outstanding person, and uh, how does that work? Well, I think there are two answers to that. There are more, but I'm just going to use two answers to it. Two, I think a person should look for an outstanding person. You should seek one out. You should walk down the street. You should go to Walmart. You should go to Best Buy, any of the places, wherever. And you should find an outstanding person. Uh, They're there. And a lot of the times, you have to treat it like gold. You have to dig for it. You have to wipe the dirt off or whatever the case may be and understand that your goal is to find an outstanding person. So that's number one. And I do that. I constantly look for outstanding people. Uh, and I'm very happy when I find them, such as yourself. You're a perfect example. Thank you. And Peter is a perfect example. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. Fantastic guy. And uh, the other example is that sometimes you're minding your own business, an outstanding person will find you and say, hello, I'm an outstanding person. And I say, oh, great. You know, I, I wasn't looking for you, but I'm glad that I found you or you found me. In the case of an outstanding person, as an example, when I was very young, uh, there was a person here in Tulsa, a very well-known person by the name of Daddy Ben. Daddy Ben. He he was a pastor of my church, Vernon Church, here in Tulsa. And he was uh, Ben Hill, Reverend Ben Hill. Uh, He was also a politician. But the thing about him is that the things that he told me then, a long time ago when I was a kid, Are still with me now. Example, he's an outstanding person. I mean, he's an outstanding person not only because I think so, but because so many other people think so. But he's an outstanding person. But he told me once upon a time, he said, A Christian does what a Christian has to do, whether he wants to do it or not. And I guess it can also be said, A Christian should do what a Christian should do, whether he wants to do it or not. Either way. And he said, now, if, if, if you can't dig that, if you can't dig that, you know, I mean, this guy was awesome. He says, if you can't dig that, Leon, then just substitute it with the word person. A person does what a person has to do, whether it wants to do it or not. So here I am. I am uh, getting ready to go on a gig, go on a concert. And so I'm flying out about 5 o'clock in the morning. And so I drive by the service station, the Trail service station, open all night. And I said, well, I don't want to stop right now to get gas. I'll get it in the morning when I fly out. And it's about 1 o'clock. But his words came to me. You, know, you got to do what you have to do, whether you want to do it or not. I didn't want to stop. I just left the studio session, getting ready to catch the flight and the whole bit. So I heard his words. So I did stop. I turned around, stopped, went to get the gas. And this might be a small thing for a lot of people, but it's a big thing for me. I got the gasoline, filled up, went home, uh, made sure I was packed and the instruments were all taken care of all that. But then when it came time for me to head out to catch my flight, something happened and I started running late. Now, if I hadn't gotten the gas before I went home, it would have been a problem. I would have run out of gas on the way to the airport, no doubt about that. So. This outstanding person taught me that sometimes you don't want to do things because you're tired or because uh, you're lazy or because you just want to do something else. But if you use these words and listen to what he says or what he said, then it will help you in so many different ways. Do what you have to do whether you want to do it or not. And it's a simple thing. It's not a big thing. Just play on the words and just have fun with it. Stop by the service station. Get yourself some gas so you don't have to do that in the morning. Now the irony of it is that on the way to the airport it's a pretty straight shot and I only had about by the time I'd arrived at the airport I would only have about oh maybe 15 minutes to get everything done which is not a good thing when you're flying.
0: No it's not. So,
1: but when I got ready to if I had gotten to get if going to the service station if I left home and had to go to the service station, I would have gone in the opposite direction because there was not a service station between my house and the airport. So I would have had to go back about two miles, get the gas, get back in the car, of course, then come back, retreat to where I started from the house or anywhere in that area, and then go to the airport. That would have taken me about maybe 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I would have missed my flight. So his words, in many ways, has made my life a whole lot better because of that. He's an outstanding person. You were asking me, do you seek a person out? How do you find an outstanding person? And then there was another person that found me. But they were outstanding, without a doubt. And uh, I was pulling up in front of a uh, convenience store. And I got it was going to give me a 7-Up. And a lot of people were there. A lot of tough people, rough people and all that didn't bother me. I'm, I'm, I'm from the hood. But anyways, I went in got my seven up. I came out, minding my own business. And this lady called me over to the car. And uh, she didn't know my name, didn't know anything about me. She just says, sir, sir, sir. And I had to look around to find out who she talked to. So I went over to the car. She must have been about maybe 90 years old. And so I said, Yes, ma'am. She says, I've been sitting here for two hours. I have got to get home. I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And so all these people around, why didn't you ask them? She said, no, I was waiting on you. <laughs> you waited on me for two hours. <laughs> oh, man. I even wrote a song about that. But anyway, I said, well, why wait on me? She said, because I was waiting on someone that I felt that I could trust. So I said, OK, all right, what's the problem? So I need to find my way home. So she gave me her address. and. I said, "Okay, follow me." So, she did. Now, the way that I took her home was through the woods and 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 weird areas because it was the shortest way of getting her to her house. And and she wanted her to get home. You know, she'd been waiting for two hours and needed to use the restroom and all that sort of stuff. So, I wanted her to get her home. So, I got her home, and I said, "Is this your house?" She said, "Yeah, that's my house." She was lost, and when you get up in age, you get lost. And it, it, You'll never get that way because you'll never get old. But other people who get old, <laughs> they get lost, and so and that's okay. I understand it. You might even get lost when you park your car at the airport and you can't remember where you parked your car. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got it home, and uh, she gave me a hundred dollar bill. Wow! And I said, no, I can't take that. She said, No, no, you must take it. You must take it. You did me a big favor, and I said, Well, you you know anybody at that store would have loved to have gotten a hundred dollar bill. Taking you home? Said, no, no, I was waiting on you. So anyway, and she was very adamant about this. This, 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 this lady might have been 90, 95 years old. But she was tough, all right. Okay. And so I, I was thinking, well, I could, you know, I could hand wrestle her, I could box her, or something, and, and win this argument. But that wouldn't be cool. So I, I thought for a minute, and I here's what I did. I knew that she was from that generation of rewarding people for doing things. -hmm. That's the generation. That's where she was from. She was from the Mm twenties, and so I thought for a minute. I said, "You know, I I would love to take your hundred dollar bill, but my mother wouldn't like it." I say my mother means my home training, the way I was raised. My mother would be insulted if I took that money. Now she understood that. She didn't understand me not taking the money. That was like insulting to her. Mm -hmm. You know, I did her this favor. Now I'm insulting her. So she once I said that my mother wouldn't like it, she thought, oh, okay, I'm okay with that. So she took the money and put it back into her purse. Well, anyway, she became an outstanding person. She found me. I didn't find her, I was minding my own business to ask you a question about outstanding people. And I've met a lot of outstanding people, without a doubt, hundreds of outstanding people. So not a, it's not a shortage, and that's my answer.
0: I love that. Thank you. And what a wonderful story as well of, you know, someone wanting to give you something for you just doing a favor and, and your way of putting it in a, in a way that she would understand and she would feel comfortable with, okay, I can see that, you know, he is just happy to have done me the favor. So I like that. I like that. Um, I call it this episode recognizing opportunity because that's something that I feel like opportunity is always there. Sometimes we just have difficulty seeing it. Uh, would you maybe share an opportunity or two that you took advantage of and, and really grabbed and, and did your best with and, and maybe share one that got away? Oh,
1: man, well, that'd be easy to do. They're only about 100,000.
0: Uh, <laughs> Narrow down the best you can.
1: okay let's talk about the one that got away okay um maybe i should tell you about the one that i did well i guess there's really no no particular order right
0: up to you whatever you Uh, like
1: opportunities are something that i really really believe in i think that they come in many different styles and fashions Uh, I teach opportunity to students uh, and to anyone that will listen about opportunities. I think that you should be ready for them if they're not there. You should be uh, uh, dressed for it. You should be mentally ready, sound for it. You should be educated for it. You should be trained in your task and your opportunities will allow that to happen if you deal with them a lot. And what I mean by that, if you're going to be a welder, you really want to be a welder and uh, you're waiting on that call from the welding company, then you should have your boots ready. You should have your mask ready, your talent ready, so that when you do answer that call, you'll be ready for that opportunity mm-hmm. and not um, falter. You know, try to find your boots now. The phone call comes in and says, we have a job for you working on the bridge and it's going to pay you $100 an hour. Are you ready? Well, now you have to find your boots, you have to find your mask, you have to do do all these things. And by the time you arrive on the scene, opportunity has left you. And you missed all of that. So that's what I mean, that you need to be ready educationally, intelligently, and so forth. Uh, Opportunity, uh, now I'm gonna tell you an opportunity that that I had and an opportunity that I lost. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: An opportunity that I had and This was uh, in my broadcasting. I had an opportunity to, or the opportunity was there for me to start broadcasting in a certain market. And this market was one that was hard to do because it was uh, uh, a racial situation. Uh, And it was almost hard to bear because of the prejudices that were allowed in this situation. But then someone said to me, look, uh, we have to break this. We have to break this racial thing. We have this racial divide. Mm-hmm. We have to put some color to it. And we want you to bring your network in to make this happen. Yeah. And the people that are going to listen to you are not necessarily people that can dig what you're doing. You know, they, they, they don't feel where you're coming from. And so but we're gonna take a chance because this was a good person opportunity. So I went into the market and I did do what I was going to do. I put jazz in the market jazz music and uh, my radio show and it worked. It was an opportunity. Now, if I had not been an accomplished jazz musician, an accomplished broadcaster, producer, director, and all that sort of stuff that it takes to make it happen, I would have had to practice on how to be a host how to interview people, how to play the right music for the market. I knew that if I had played, uh, oh, something that was real deep, heavy music, mm-hmm. avant garde type of jazz, I knew that, that would not have worked for that market. First of all, they didn't dig black people. <laughs> That's one thing right off the yeah. bat. And here I am, definitely a black cat, you know, going into the market. And, uh, and, then I had to make sure I played the right music because I knew that if I played some music, let's say by Louis Armstrong, uh, then that would have been okay. But if I had played some music that was heavy, like Miles, deep into the jazz thing, which is and that sort of stuff, it would not have worked. So I had to ease my way into the situation. That was an opportunity. But I was smart enough to know what to do to take advantage of that opportunity. So I eased my way in and I kind of won the hearts of the people. I didn't bombard my way in. It was yeah. an opportunity. I took advantage of it. Everything was great after that. It was highly successful, lots of awards and all that sort of stuff. And the community dug it because I was aware of the opportunity and what my uh, situation was. And the opportunity that I lost was there's a guy by the name of Leon Russell and uh, a good friend of mine. So I was at his house. He has a record. He had a recording studio in the basement. So I was at his house and uh, I laid down these tracks. And I can lay down a track. I can, I can write a song in, in no time at all. I can write a song every minute. Every minute on the clock, I can write a brand new song. So that that's something that I do, no problem. So I'm in the studio and... Uh, uh, I started putting all these songs on tracks, mm-hmm. that means recording the songs. And so I recorded about 15 to 16 songs, no problem, uh, Leon was going to come down and check him out later on. He said, "You know, have fun, surprise me. Now, this is my music and the whole bit, it's not music I was writing for Leon. So Leon Russell. And so I laid down, had my cats in the studio, you know, having doing our thing, studio thing. And we laid down 16 tracks. Engineers said, wow, man, you know, people don't come in here and do that. That's amazing and all that. So, all right. So the next day, uh, I went back to the studio and I listened to the tracks. And I said, wow, man, this this is not cool. These are not the things for me. These these tracks are not for me. This is not what I want. Now, here's the deal. When you're a musician and you lay down tracks, a lot of the times it's based on how you feel, Mm -hmm. what you're going through. At, at the time. So if, if if your old lady leaves you, then you're going to lay down some blues and you know, but if she comes back, then it's not the same groove. It's a whole different groove. Now you want to lay down some happy music. Yes, yeah. so, And that's what musicians do. Occasionally, we lay down music that is neutral ground. That means no matter what move we're in, it's going to be a good song. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I don't know what was going on. Who knows? Who knows? So I played and did the playback, had the engineers run the tapes back. I was doing the date and time of tapes, which today is digital. Anyway, he played the tapes back and said, No, man, I can I can do that. I can do a lot better than that. A lot better than that. A lot better than that. So, well, anyway, I said, Delete all that. Get rid of it. You know, we're going to do this thing all over again. But I didn't have my musicians there. So he says, well, why not we save it? No, we don't need to save it. I can do this over and over again, no sweat. So he said, all right. You know, I was a producer, so I cut all the shots. So we went on and deleted the whole tracks, erased the whole tracks, put a, a bulk magnetic eraser on it to make sure they were totally erased upon my request. And I said, oh, OK. So here I am now waiting on my musicians to come. And now they're not coming on time because one is in Kansas City, the other is somewhere else, whatever, whatever. So I have to wait for them to get back in, which is going to take about three or four days. Mm-hmm. So Leon comes down, and my name is Leon, his name is Leon. Leon comes down and says, man, I heard those tracks. They were really nice. I loved them. <laughs> but I had oh. them erased. So that was an opportunity that went away because by the time he left the next day to go on tour, my musicians hadn't come back. And so therefore, it didn't happen again. And then one thing led to another, and I didn't have time to do it again open the whole bit. So that was an opportunity that I had, but I threw away. Mm. Now, hindsight, I should have just saved it, even though I wasn't happy with it, but that's the way it goes. Now, when you are a professional musician, sometimes you start thinking of uh, things that you want to do that are real tight, meaning that you want your music to be really nice. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're crazy like I am, you you want perfection. And there are some people. Matter of fact, all the people that listened to it loved it, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and I feel like I could do this a thousand times over, and it wouldn't, you know, no problems. So if I erased it, I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. Leon loved it, and that was an opportunity that was lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I've done a couple of those too because of being a perfectionist. (laughs) Wanted it to be just right before anybody else gets it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, What did I miss? What else would you like to teach us?
1: What would I like to teach you? Yeah. No, no, this is your show. What would you
0: like to hear? What would I like to learn? Well, this is a show a little bit about the emotional side of money. So I guess um, you've already given us one money story. But if you have another, another money story that stands out to you, we'd love to hear it. In what way? Uh, something that affected you, something that affected your view of money or, or something that changed the way that you thought about it or interacted with it.
1: Let me do a short one on the stupidity of money.
0: (laughs) I love that. Okay.
1: (laughs) And man, there are a lot of stories, but we're going to abide by the host and keep things to the point. Um, I worked on a job a long time ago, and it paid a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to buy a lot of things. But I hated the job. I hated the job, and so I stopped working on the job, and I started concentrating more on music. See, that's stupidity point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stupidity point. Now the music didn't pay a whole lot of money. You know, the job's gonna the job paid maybe a hundred times more than the music did. Um, and the job allowed me to buy a new car, and it allowed me to buy appliances new nothing used. It allowed me to to buy the kind of car that I, the second car that I wanted, which was a car that I could work on and fix an old car. The money allowed me to do that. The money allowed me to do all kinds of things when it came to things that you do with money. And I wasn't happy, you see. Uh, But the music allowed me to be broke. (laughs) And I was happy. So now you got a choice, so you, what are you going to do? Of course the music is an investment and it takes a longer time to brew mm-hmm. to it than it does for a job. You dig? It's the, the job is there, it's instant, and the music, you have to build it up and all of that, which I have done, but I'm just telling you a story, you want to hear a story, so I'm telling your story. So I realized that money by itself is not always the answer. Mm. I think a person should find happiness and work within that cycle, that circle, that environment. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the money will, in some cases, the money will add a lot of stress to your life. Mm -hmm. Stress is very dangerous. Uh, The money will stop you from being as happy as you want to be. Uh, Money will, will spoil you. And once you start getting it and getting used to it, you want more of it or you want it to continue. And, and so forth and so on. Uh, a lot of your audiences, your, your audience members can relate to this, I'm sure. Probably not you, but your audience can. And so I realized then that I was happy with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel good. It made me walk taller. It made me struggle more. Uh, it made me count my pennies tighter. Uh, it showed me that Uh, you can make choices between something that will bring you great benefits and that great benefit would be not the money, but the great benefit would be happiness. Mm -hmm. And you can make another choice where you can get the money, but not the happiness. So sometimes you have to weigh things, you know, happiness on one side and money on the other side. And sometimes the money is the thing that you ought to do. Uh, Example, if, if your happiness is robbing banks and your other side is working at a $8 job an hour, then I suggest you do the money thing and work on the $8 an hour and forego robbing the bank. So you see, you have to weigh it based on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the weight factor was on the creative side of me, which is what I'm I'm made out of creativity. Mm -hmm. And so it worked out to this day. I'm very happy about that decision. It's not one of those things where I can say, oh, man, you know, I, I could have a, a money market account. I could have this, that or the other, you know, right now, I could be, I could retire with money, you yeah. know, with $750,000 happening right there and live off the interest. But no, that, that's not what I wanted to do. So money is very important. Now, if you find yourself a good financial person, you can find out how to weigh the two factors together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can you can do the music, but you can have a different direction. Musicians don't have a financial direction. We like to bring money in, spend it, have a good time, We you know, do that sort of thing, going about a business. Uh, but if you find a good financial advisor, then you can bring the money in, mm-hmm. take a little bit, put it to the side, still have yourself a good time, still be all the other things you want to be, and make it. The problem is uh, in the The creative world, the music world, and most worlds, we don't run across financial advisors that will lead us in the right direction. That's the problem. so back to the thing you said about opportunity, sometimes you have to go out and look for it. But if you don't know it's there because you weren't trained, you weren't taught, it wasn't part of your upbringing, then you don't know what to look for. So that's the thing that's happening with money and how money can be very important and how a financial advisor can be very important and how you can teach your kids about finances. When they're coming up, you can teach them about things so they won't be in the same rut that the baby boomers and the X generation so won't be so much as we are.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: my story on money.
0: I love that. And I love your point about teaching the next generation because that's how we really make the difference is, is passing to them the information that we've already gained so they don't have to make the same mistakes again and repeat the cycle. They can change it. And we end up creating generational wealth in just a couple of generations by making tiny changes. Yeah, fabulous. Mr. Rawlinson, this has been fantastic. Thank you for spending a little time with me today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for allowing me to do that.
0: If anyone would like to get in touch with Leon Rollerson, you can do, through, do so through his website, rollersonproductions.com. Thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. This show is sponsored by Serenity Financial, a Five Rings financial agency specializing in financial education, living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. Be sure to follow Money Heart on social media at Money Heart Show and on our website, moneyheartshow.com. Today's money mantra is one that Leon provided us with, and it is always leave something better than you found it.